Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to a brand new Minus Three presented as ever by Omaha. We're hours, minutes, seconds away from college football's kickoff. Notre Dame and Navy kicking things off. On the other side of the Atlantic, I don't know why Eddie Spaghetti, seated there behind the glass in his usual perch, isn't on a ship making his way across the sea to go watch his Irish. Too late now, though. Can't wait. College football is here. Pro football on the heels of it. And Mark Cabali is about to join us. He of the Athletic. Great insight on the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers specifically. Can't wait to talk about him. Spaghetti, is it? Obviously, I am fascinated by this upcoming Pittsburgh Steelers season. I really think it sets up to be a critical one because of the outsized optimism. And I am saying it's outsized optimism at this point, despite the national media members one by one whispering into a microphone. This is a dark horse team, even though everybody is saying it. I'm baffled by the I mean, for 25 years, at least now. No team wins a title without announcing no one outside this locker room believes in us. This is a newfangled uh, version of that. Now media members are announcing on behalf of a particular football team, no one believes in this team besides me, even though there is empirical evidence everywhere you look that people do believe this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Now the bookmakers have the AFC North, the Bungles, not surprisingly, at plus 160 to win it. The Ravens behind them at plus 210. The Brownies at plus 380 and there. The Steelers at plus 475. I guess that's some empirical evidence that they are being slept on a little bit, except for the fact that those have tightened up a little bit. The, the, the difference between the Bungles odds and the Steelers have tightened up considerably over the last couple of months. And there's a big difference between the Bungles at plus 160 and the Steelers at plus 475 in the same division. And let's say the Eagles at plus minus 125 and the Commies at plus uh, plus 1800 to win that division. That's a team that's being slept on, not the Steelers and what figures to be a rugged division that's hard to divine who's going to be the first place team, who's going to be the fourth place team. We're going to try to figure it out with uh, with Kabali. But the question I was going to ask you, Spaghetti. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers going to the to the Jets. Deja vu, yes, but also the biggest offseason story here in 23. What are the other even big ones? Lamar Jackson um, re-signing with Baltimore, new offense there. Yeah, Can Todd the Eagles do Georgia. it again? Can Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and company, can they do, can they perform, or can they basically overcome the pox that is being a Super Bowl runner-up? And returning to that game, late buzz too on the Eagles. There's some cynicism I'm hearing around Philadelphia, although there just aren't very many good NFC teams that really are, it, it feels to me, capable of knocking them off. The Niners and can Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, do it again as Trey Lance is, um, is knocked down to, to, to third. What, what else is out there, Spaghetti? Yeah, I mean, the, um, the Mahomes story is the Mahomes story. They're the best in football. Yeah, I think, uh, if, you know, uh, the Eagles thing, I think they actually got better. I think another NFC East interesting one, you know, the marriage between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott is just the final year of that. I do think the mm-hmm. Niners with their quarterback carousel, if Purdy slips up and kind of, you know, remembers that he was, you know, uh, a very late round pick, that that team could struggle. And then you have the Seahawks who are up and coming. Um, I think Russell Wilson, just because the amount of money uh, spent on him and, you know, the obviously the hiring of Sean Payton, is that going to work? That is a big story because if, if 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 Russ struggles this year, I mean that's really it for him. That's his career. Like you can't come back from that. Um, you know, I I do think uh, Deshaun Watson. You know, n- not even talking about the off the field stuff, but on the field, will he regain the Deshaun Watson of Houston? Boy, I, I know that this this time of year, that's what's like. Who's got the most pressure going into this football season? That's a, that's a perennial thing that uh, the media likes to do, and and I include myself in that conversation. Um, but yeah, this is a you're, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, first of all, the obvious one, like Brandon Staley is finished if they don't make some hay this year totally. uh, with the Chargers. 
Sean Payton's probably not in any jeopardy, but it will ding his profile if the Broncos are six and eleven. And and to your point, Russ or yeah, Russ is is done as a you know as a high end starter certainly. If it goes that way, Josh McDaniels, if they flame out, like we know that they're not set up to be great, but you still think that's going to be his job. I'll tell you this. If the people out there who like the moves the Steelers have made, but still think that they're going to have a losing record for the first time and that will, as somebody who's now been positioned weirdly, I'm, I'm a pessimist by nature. I'm a glass half empty guy, but the Pittsburgh media has pushed me into this spot where I somehow am am forced to represent the 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 positive spin because they're such a collection of curmudgeons and i do intend to get into this with Kabali, but i'll change my tune if this isn't a successful year for tomlin because now it's all set up it's all been leading to this for the last handful mm-hmm. of years so i think that i don't think he's going to get fired or anything like that but i do think this is a big year for the profile uh, of mike tomlin in pro football yeah, I mean, um, we've seen we've seen young quarterbacks. You know, I'm I'm a fan of the Giants and seeing Daniel Jones' progression. So I think he's in a you know Kenny Pick is kind of in a similar phase as what Jones was in last year. And then you saw a clear improvement. Yeah, right. You saw winning winning games. You saw winning a playoff game. I think if they as long as he takes a step in that direction and and like you said, you have the great defense, you have a a good running attack. I, I think he'll be okay. Um, but like that AFC North is just a, a very tough division. And but that's definitely going to be one of the bigger storylines. Some other storylines too. Like I mean the car. If they go on and move on from Kyler and take either, you know, Drake May or Caleb Williams, that's a that's a big one there. And uh, you, you brought up the Chargers as another one I was thinking about my prediction. Uh, Brandon Staley, I mean, if he stinks, there's going to be a guy named uh, Harbaugh coaching that team next year with Justin Herbert. I'm not talking about John Harbaugh either. So I think that's one to look out for. I wouldn't be surprised if if Staley gets moved on that they then call the Lions OC Ben Johnson. To, 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 that's a, another name in play. Um, what the enemy does in Washington is is huge too this year, as far as I'm concerned. Like, will that prove to have been a Andy Reid-based mirage all these years, or will the enemy emerge and people say, what the hell? Why was he hidden away in, in Arrowhead for all those years? Somebody could have been, you know, he may... Um, enhance his profile considerably, or like I say, be proven a fraud. Um, I, the bills, their story a year ago, everybody was high on them coming off of the 13 second loss in, um, in Arrowhead. Everybody thought that 2022 was their year to, to peak. And now what are the bills going to be in a division that's gotten much tougher and, you know, what's Belichick's legacy going to be after this year? I mean, if they fall back, it's I guess it's been a slow burn as they move on from Brady. But and Mac Jones, it was like, see, Belichick still got it. Look what he did with the Rook. They made the playoffs. It'll feel pretty far in the rearview mirror if they don't right the ship there in New England. And it's going to be almost impossible to do it when you're playing Miami and the Jets and the Bills twice each. Oh, so many fun storylines I'm going through. I'm looking through. Um, just looking at all the, at, at the brands out there in pro football and the expectations for them and, uh, and, and how pivotal this year is. Another one is once and for all, I feel like we're going to get an answer on Derek Carr. He is talk yeah. about how you perceive him is determined by your specific eyeballs and your perception of that guy. Like he should win the division. Right. Like if you're the tenured guy, you are the guys you're you're the guy who's the most accomplished of the quarterbacks in that division. It kind of sets up for you to win it. And so anything less than a division title, especially with the weapons he has. And this feels like an approximate choice to go and be with Dennis Allen and all that. If this doesn't work out, I think Derek Carr's profile is is um, forever takes a hit from it. And I don't know that you how he would rebound from that. But all right. I do think for all those little fun stories that it's the AFC East or the AFC North. It's the hardest to figure out one, two, three, four, the finishing order. Let's see if we can try and figure out the latter of those two, the AFC North and specifically talk about my favorite team in pro football, the Pittsburgh Steelers with a guy on the short list of my favorite guys to talk about that team with Mark Cabali. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. 
Let me ask you a question, Eddie Spaghetti. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? But before you answer, two words, Caesar's rewards. Those are the two words. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. I'm talking about hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, even more than just that. It's not only an app, it's an empire. 21 plus must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Here he is, everybody. The guy who I turn to in DMs and otherwise when I need the straight poop on all things black and gold. Oh, since the last time we've kibitzed, his star has risen even further into the stratosphere thanks to Yinzer, Pat McAfee, and his great crew over there. You read his work on The Athletic. You see him all over media these days, like I say, on social media and otherwise, sharing his thoughts about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the AFC North at large. He's Mark Caboli. What's the what's the poop there, fella? How are you wearing your McAfee style almost tank top, I see? That was my Yoda shirt, see? Oh, it's a Yoda. It's the one I found on the floor in my living room. So uh, <laughs> I was waiting for your... Uh, call or your link to get on and i'm like oh he must have forgot about me and it's like i'm ready i'm like oh i better find something to wear other than my uh tank top so i went with the second version of the tank top the cut look who's spreading his wings look it's uh it's our guy spreading his wings now because uh you're i thought through and through a danielson guy but now you gotta you got a taste for a galaxy you know far oh, far it's away it's, it's great I, apparently there's a new series on the disney channel right now yeah i haven't got a chance to watch that one yet but you know i'm a big mandalorian guy now big Mm -hmm. mandalorian guy so i always loved the star wars saga not much of a star trek guy Uh, never really got into that i would love to i'd love to deep dive with you about star wars stuff but here's what happens i get sidetracked with you and then we don't get to the meat and potatoes let's do meat and potatoes and then let's have a nice treat at the end and we can talk about that perhaps first of all you floated a fascinating question on social media earlier in the week you are the boots on the ground there on the banks of the three rivers and it's a good query for the provincial sorts over there kenny pickett and Sidney crosby come to a door together who opens it for whom? What results did uh, did your little poll there yield? Uh, you know, Fascinated. I, the two faces right now in 2023 in Pittsburgh, PA. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of people commenting on that. Always my favorite are the people that read too much into it. 
Is this really saying that he's taken over the reins of the city's best player? No, it's a joke. What would it be? Because they're two both nice guys. I think my favorite response was like Andrew would, McCutcheon would open both doors for both of them or something like that, right? Because he's up there too if, on the Pirates level. At least he was when he uh, decided to come back here. But uh, my point was there's two very, very likable, two very polite men right there. And I don't know. There's weird things you should know about this, Shaq, man. Weird things just pop into your head and you pop it on Twitter. Sometimes they uh, gain traction and sometimes they don't. But uh, even in even in Pittsburgh, there are people who have summer homes up on Mount Pius. And when you ask a question like that, people have to like, what's the point of this question? What are you getting at about what kind of guy Ken Pickett is? Of course, the answer is Ken Pickett would go for the door, but his his wee little hands wouldn't fit around the knob. And so he would just stand there and then Sydney probably broke through the door and say, you go, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. Then the door would automatically open because they have to take one more step and it's an electric door, something Here's like that. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's, you know, that you gotta like, you can't ask a question that is positioned about with any sort of sunshine attached to it. Because I don't know exactly what's going on, why Pittsburgh has is slowly deteriorating into New York City or Philadelphia in terms of sports media vibe. But I've noticed an unpleasant trend, which is that you feel obligated, correct me if I'm wrong, to express some cynicism. You this I saw out there recently in the last couple of weeks, I read all your work on the athletic, what's going down on training camp. And as a reminder, it's all a civil war reenactment. None of what you see in these games has any relevance. Come the real thing, come uh, September, whatever it is, 10th when the thing kicks off here. But you now I see all the there's all the reason in the world to feel good about things right now. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And then I see you say, Six wins, six and eleven. What gives? Come on, explain this. Eight and nine. Now you're back. You're, you're up to eight and nine. First of all, let me correct you. I'm always a miserable person. Okay, good. good. Always good. been uh, my mo. So uh, I think I've got the corner in Pittsburgh market. Pittsburgh corner. Market. No, you don't. No, there's a lot of people in that corner. It's it's as though there's a race to to to, to try and influence the masses by saying that hey, bad news, yins. Going to be a tough decade in Pittsburgh coming up here. the 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 Penguins dynasty is over. the the the, the Pirates are the Pirates and the Steelers. They're doomed, dude. They're they're do- the and standard maybe, ain't the standard no more. Let's maybe you're following my Pirates takes. You're following my Pirates takes because I just can't. I just I got to my breaking point with the Pirates. I mean, I'm done. I mean, I am tired of it. I reserve the right to jump on the bandwagon at the last possible moment. Okay, because that bandwagon's going to be rolling come next spring, man. Well, I don't think so. I mean, they, they can <clears throat> grow up a one-car funeral, right? And it seems like they've been doing that. I just can't over 20 – I mean, you know, 80, 90% of my life they've been awful. I mean, so – I mean, they haven't won a playoff series since I was like six, right? So I just can't take the Pirates anymore. And there's a group of faction of fans that are just hardcore – you know, if everybody comes up to the next Bobby Clemente, you know, and they, they turn out to be the next like Al Padrique instead, right? So they, they just, <laughs> you know, Al right. reference. Now, listen, I love it, and that's fine. You can be cynical about the Buckos. They they they've uh, they've earned that right. The Nutting family has imposed uh, a, a black cloud over the Pirates unnecessarily, but I do think that they by hook or by crook, it's very much like Major League. As I keep saying, people say, how, how can you root for the Buckos? Like the, the Nuttings deserve our scorn. Like, okay, that's fine. Same as Major League. Remember the owner of the Cleveland Indians in that movie? The players were playing to upset her. Same thing. Just uh, just regard it that way. We're all rooting against the owner, and we want the proletariat to stick it to the bourgeoisie at the top of the mountain. That's all. But listen, yes. let's not talk about the Pirates. And like we could talk about the Penguins Wait, later. Quick, I just hope the Buckos don't have a picture of Bob Nutting in their locker room where they rip off a piece of his clothing every time they win. So you put that visual in my mind right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, at the start of the season, when things were rosier, I kept tweeting that picture out at the end of uh, every Bucko's victory. But all right, let's talk about these Steelers here. And the one thing 
that the cynicism, it's a it's a weird um, equation we have going on here where you are saying with all the the buzz coming out of there and, you know, bully ball is is the obvious direction that they were taking things the day they hired Andy Weidel before that even. I thought Omar was making the right kind of noise about the players that the Steelers needed to get back in the locker room that they had lacked over the last five or 10 years. So it's not a surprise to me that minus a Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, that that's the other winning method in, in pro football now is to try and beat the hell out of your foes like the Philadelphia Eagles did a year ago. But now it's, there are guys like you saying eight and nine. You don't think it's going to be good enough. And then national media, the caveat that they put in front of every Steelers optimistic take is, is like, no one's talking about this. We should maybe whisper it because everybody wants some, uh, some credit, um, some juice for being like, I'm the only person in the world saying this, but the Steelers are a dark horse right now. Don't don't talk about it, though, because nobody else is aware of the possibility that the Steelers might be good. Um, Is that a vibe you're picking up? Because way back at the start of as soon as last season ended, I was starting to hear some noise from people in the building that they really they don't like the direction. They love what uh, what that locker room looks like right now. And after the draft and free agency, I don't think they're thinking like. Let's have another double digit win season. I think they're talking about like for real Super Bowl run. Is that I mean, is that the vibe you're picking up from the guys in the locker room? Uh, I don't know about Super Bowl run right now. I don't think Tomlin would allow that to creep into their minds right now. They know that it's only been 17 snaps or whatever it's been so far through two preseason games where um they've been so successful. I mean, it seems like they have everything in place. And um, I, to me, I think they're just a, the year away from being that team. I think they need some seasoning. I think they need some tweaks right here. They're still going to have a very tough division here. The, let's the, uh, let's go slow. Tweaks. What what lacks um, just, to your eye on that roster right now? Because well, they the feel awfully that, deep. Uh, among other not, things, they see they feel deep everywhere. It might not be actual players more than it actually is playing together a lot of that back half of that secondary is new Mm -hmm. Um, you got what two three or four guys new you got the inside linebackers new um even some of the defensive linemen if Ogunjobi you know if he's banged up with his foot which he has been here and there you got a lot of new faces there it's going to take a little bit of time to get on the same page here same with the offense I mean um, you look at the offensive line, and we just look at the last eight games last year, and they were spectacular, right? I mean, that's why they were able to win seven out of their last nine games. But we, just because you put those same guys in place this year and add a, a very, very solid player, say Omalu, at left guard, left guard, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to come out of the gates and, and play well. There still needs to be cohesion amongst those type of guys. So I think one year to really get to know each other, Kenny will be that one year where I've done it to the highest level for the entire season. Then you take that step. You remember the, man, it's probably been 15 years now, the old dream team of the Eagles when they just signed everybody. Sure. Vince Young, backup QB, decreed it when he signed. They just crapped the bed, right? It was just, well, it's more than let's just add a bunch of people. And I think to a degree, that's where the Steelers are right now. Hmm. I mean, would I be shocked if they're 10-11 wins? No. I think there's just going to be – they have a tough late half of the schedule. Those last three or four games are really, really rough. And I think that's what's end up going to do them in. I'm keeping them at eight and nine right now. Um, but you know, I just try not to look positive at preseason. Now they've done a lot. I'm with you on that. And they did a lot during the season. And I like how you said about the national media saying be quiet, be quiet. We've been trying to tell you stuff about what's happening over the past couple of months. And all of a sudden you see a couple plays of it, not with Pickett, but with Austin, with uh, 
Pickens last year. And it's like, oh my goodness, these guys are pretty good. Yeah, we we told you that a couple of months ago, and I told you. I'm you go back and find a tweet probably in February or March, and I said the Pickett might end up being a top five quarterback this past year. I got destroyed over that one, but you saw the progressions with him of making that step. He throws seven passes in the preseason, like, oh yeah, he's pretty good, but. I like put it this way. Even if they do go eight and nine, I like the trajectory they're on. I think they got everything in place from front office to the coaching staff to the players in the right position. But a lot of times you got to get lucky in some of these games. I am not believe me. I'm not jumping on this. Like Coach Tomlin should have his job. His seat should be hot. Yins like people who love talking that talk. I will say this. If they go merely eight and nine, if this were the year that they finally slipped under 500, I think that that would be a pretty harsh turn in the wrong direction. The the build from like the the thing that people have a hard time, it feels to me, the maybe the who are living it every day there the last five years and point to like, this is not the Steelers standard to never win a playoff game. I mean, if you if you go through the last handful of seasons from Roethlisberger's elbow injury to the duck Hodges, what happens that year, Roethlisberger comes back. That team is good, but semi-fraudulent Then the farewell tour with Roethlisberger where they get into the playoffs and probably then it's Pickett's rookie season. And that delivers us to now. It kind of explains away that team was never in a spot to really do some damage in, in an AFC that included Mahomes and, and that, one point Brady and and all the rest of uh, the usual customers there. And when I say Super Bowl, I'm not saying that that's my perception. I'm talking about that there are guys in the locker room and I get that outsized optimism is what happens in August in maybe not 32 locker rooms. I bet you there are like 28 locker rooms where people are making that same noise right now. Like, so yeah. Hey, this season feels different in here. Brand new season. And this young man can be as good. All the rhetoric that you hear. But where the Steelers are concerned, the thing that puts a ceiling on them is not anything that's going on inside their locker room. Rather, it is the rest of the AFC North. From what you can glean beyond just Tomlin and Khan's gang, the other three teams, I mean, like, where is we can silo every team and talk ourselves into or out of them, but where do they stand in that division? Well, give me who wins the division and who loses is the fourth place team in the AFC North by your perception. Cause eight and nine would be, I am assuming in the bottom half of the division, right? Probably third. I think, I mean, you look Cincinnati has to be the top, right? I mean, sure. unless, unless Burroughs out for the year and that what calf injuries more is worse than we think, then maybe that changes. But I think they're pretty much a big step ahead of everybody in the division. After let's that, say Burrow plays the whole season and is fine. Yeah, so I let's think, remove that as a possibility. What would cause a regression for the Bengals? You see no possibility for that, assuming that, uh, that know, uh, their main man is out there. I yeah, kind I of think, agree with you about yeah, that. I yeah. think they're what you know, twelve, thirteen win team probably. Yeah, there if Burrow's healthy. After that, it's just a hodgepodge, right? Um, Baltimore, a lot of people like the Baltimore talk about whispering there. I see Baltimore ranked in some rankings as a top seven or eight. I'm like, whoa, what are we talking about here? Their secondary is not very good. Their defense is a little bit questionable. And they agree. Absolutely nobody in the preseason. So we can't even grab 17 snaps and say, hey, they look good here because they don't play anybody. They might get off to a slow start. Um, That's all going to be based on Lamar. Then Cleveland, I don't know. Well, what's your prediction for that? Because I happen to think that that's exactly right. They're it's not, not so not. much about Lamar as it is. It's funny, the the inversion of the Steelers four years ago to the Ravens. The Ravens stayed true to what made them and Pittsburgh generally contenders through the years, which is loading up at the line of scrimmage and the Steelers kind of lost their way, taking fancy pieces to try and dress up around Roethlisberger and lost their soul to a degree. I feel like the Ravens are going through that now. They're so obsessed by getting Lamar Zay flowers and weapons and everything else that I think that it it's at the expense of the defensive front. I think that they're not a bum defense, but they're certainly not what they've been 
over the last decade. And and now you mix in the Todd Monk in a brand new offense. I don't know how well that's going to work there. I think that's your fourth place team. Is that a hot take? That's a little bit a little bit warm. Uh, probably a little bit warm knowing that Lamar Jackson still can move the ball. Now, if they put him in that situation where they want him to throw the ball a lot, don't want him to run where, you know, maybe you've heard some rumors about that, then you're in big trouble because that's where your offense comes from. I mean, where's Odell Beckham sitting this all? He hasn't played in two years. I wouldn't expect him to be like he was, you know, when he played for the Giants or or anything like that, right? I don't expect that. I mean, Zay Flowers, I guess he looks good. But the offensive coordinator, a lot of times, that takes a while. That takes a while to get things on the right page there. So uh, I wouldn't say a fourth place team. I think I like team. Bateman, but of course the Jenga theory goes that if you lose I the sh- wrong piece, the whole thing goes goes down. And Marlon Humphrey, that's not a great start for uh, a light secondary to begin with. And Ronnie Stanley has still, to my eye, I'll defer to you on that, has has not gotten back to where he was pre-injury. And that's now three years ago now. So that's a an ongoing issue there. Yeah, I just uh, I, I don't think the Ravens are a bum team, but I think that's your seven and ten, eight, nine team that's going to probably underachieve a little. One's eight, year. nine, maybe even other ones, nine and eight. And uh, for Steelers wise, between those two, eight, nine, nine and eight, right in that right in that realm. I mean, if the Steelers still uh, in my eyes, if you go and win a couple of games, you're not supposed to. All of a sudden, that eight wins that I'm everybody's poo pooing me turns into ten in a pretty good season, right? No, no, no. You don't get to have it both ways, though. Well, I mean, it can happen, but I don't see it happening. But well, give me the number. I mean, like you're saying I'm eight nine, and then wins. giving an asterisk about like, well, but it could also be this. Like, no, no. Pro- give me, give me, give me what the Baltimore, straight poop is. I'll put Baltimore nine and eight right now in the okay. nine in Cleveland. Five or six wins. I mean, what in the hell? Five or six wins. I mean, so so the Bungles by your math. Better? You think it's more? It well, first of all, by by what you just laid out there, then people should be betting on the Bungles to be the first overall seed in the AFC this year, which is uh, which is a fine bet. And by the way, I also think Burrow is a pretty good MVP bet right now. Odds are a little short on him, but still, I I hear it. So you think that the AFC North? if I'm hearing what you're laying down is, is largely a little overrated. It's, it's all Deshaun Watson, right? He's the X factor of this division. I have five or six wins. I mean, you must really be down on him. Cause I don't see any reason to be down on the brownies unless you expect Deshaun Watson to play like he did eight months ago. Who, who Who's the receivers? Amari Cooper. And uh, yeah, I hear you. Joku. I'm just worried Eli about Rogers. Right. I mean, Eli, uh, Oh, it's not Eli Rogers. <laughs> I was the Steelers slot guy. Um, <laughs> I remember him. He was good for a second. I thought he was going to be good for. Uh, he almost, for- almost took me out on the sidelines at training camp one year. So I remember him as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I worry about this with the Browns is they spent, what, 250 on Deshaun, 250 million? That they're going to want to try to win with him and get away from. What? Elijah Moore, by the way, it took me it took me a full 19 seconds to come up with that name. Sorry, Eli Rogers was a got in my brain there. Sorry, continue. I just think that, you know, trying to. Uh, you signed Deshaun Watson, you're trying to get your money's worth, say that you didn't make the mistake and they get away from what they do best is which with Nick Chubb. I always worry about that aspect of their team right there. Um, their defense. I mean, I get what Delpit's back. That should help. I think. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think they're a team. I, I hate to quote Juju Browns as the Browns, but I'm the I'm like the Browns and the Pirates are very similar to me. Until I witness it, I really can't believe it. No matter. Well, it's, it's as I always say. It it could be spun as a positive that Stefanski and well, it is a positive for the organization that they went into Heinz field and won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it also stands out a little bit that the signature moment of his coaching career in Cleveland was, was him in the basement in Cleveland while the Steelers went, while the Browns won that game. It's a little bit of a weird thing to to point out about them. I think that if Watson gets anywhere close to what he used to be, I, I don't see a lot of problems with that Browns roster, um, but I'm with you about the Bengals. But it hey, feels Browns, to me. 
Watson, if he's, I mean, we tend to forget how good and how what he did within Houston for those couple of years before his incident. He set out. He was a legit top what four or five quarterback in this league. Legit. Oh yeah, remember so, everybody yeah. singing sad songs for on his behalf, like. Deshaun Watson deserves better. Free him from the Houston Texans. And like three weeks later, it's like, wait, what does he do? Didn't he go somewhere? Then how Cleveland- many times did he do that? Wait, didn't what? He, didn't he go somewhere? Then Cleveland offered him more money, and he wasn't. Wasn't he supposed to be going somewhere else instead of Cleveland? I, I mean, the bullet no, dodged by who was all. I mean, the other teams that were all in on him must just all be like, yeah. That really is crappy, Cleveland, that you gave him that much money. Thank goodness he didn't uh, take our offer. I'm trying to think of who all was chasing him. I feel like Carolina was in the mix. Were the Saints looking after him? It was one team that looked like it was a done deal, then all of a sudden Cleveland come rolling in. They're probably... Um, But, okay, your cynicism, the thing I'm hearing you point to is what national voice Bill Barnwell is pointing to. You both have cited injuries to big players like, well, they get, they get the wrong guy hurt. Then they're going to be in trouble. It's like, well, yeah, well, that's true for every team. What what kind of point is that to throw out that, that their offensive line? Yeah, it was, it was uh, an anomaly that all five guys didn't get hurt in 2022, but they have more depth there to survive an injury and suggesting that if they lose TJ Watt, they're going to be screwed. I'll hear, you know, at in the locker room, after the Steelers beat the Bengals in week one, you remember Mike Tomlin in, in invo- involving himself in the social media and all the players were dancing and everything. I yeah. suspect I have a hypothesis that Tomlin thought that that was the start of a full season of doing exactly that. Like, I think that he would love to knuckleball his way to wins, not just for a month, not just for a season, but for that to be his legacy. He would love to win games 13 to 10 for the rest of his life. It's what he's always kind of tried to do and has gotten better at doing from Duck Hodges to old Roethlisberger to rookie Pickett. He is comfy in these tight scores. I don't necessarily think, and it's funny to see Pickett, uh, you know, throwing some of those deep shots now in these meaningless uh, exhibition games, but if that foretells a different kind of approach, which is kind of like young Roethlisberger jumped the team. Remember the Colts divisional round game, the seminal victory with uh, that ends with Vander Jack missing the field goal. I feel like that that is what the Steelers want to replicate now, which is dominate defensively, pretty straightforward stuff, beat up their foes, grind you on the ground a little bit um, and, and win games narrowly and i think tomlin thought with that bengals victory this is what we're gonna do you just saw what our plan is the the secret is out we are just going to dominate and take the ball away from you and smother you all year long and oh tj watts out for half the year well that plan scuttled now we can't survive that way i think it's back on this year i don't necessarily like i say i think the reason I the reason I injected that uh, Colts game from way back January of aught six into the conversation is it's the example that I have of the of the Steelers like coming out early early uh, portions of a game jump out come out slinging get the lead and then just hold on to it like grim death I think that's the I think that's what this 2023 Steelers team is going to try to do and Tomlin has kind of made that clear. Your response. I think I think that definitely was the plan. You remember back in those days, Cower was something like 150 and one when they went about when they when they were leading by 10 points. So yeah. it was very important for them to get the 10 points because they played like that. And how many games in the mid 90s or or late 90s that you saw 13 10? That, that's how the Steelers won back then. And I agree with you. That's what he wanted to do. And that's what they that's how they put together their team in the offseason. My issue now is I think that number eight might be a click ahead of where they thought he was going to be. Now what do you do? Do you scrap the plan and say, wait a second, we just want to be a ground and pound run team. Don't turn the ball over, win the game 17 to 10, and move on to the next week. Now it's like, wait, 
this number eight might be able to win us some games more than just with two minutes left in the game. So they have to be, they probably thought he could pick it. will be able to eventually be that guy, maybe midway through the season. There's no way they would think if this carries over from the preseason to the regular season, that he's going to be this good this early. So they're going to have to, I mean, you cannot have a talent like Kenny Pickett, what we've seen for the past eight, nine months in the offseason, and say, hand the ball off, and if we need you with two minutes left, then we'll call on you. It's just ridiculous. Well, I mean, it's not even, it's not even though, it's not even though physical traits that you're talking about. You're talking about straight numbers. As much as you can look at what a rookie does in November and December, it's not like he's thrown for 350 and three touchdowns or anything like that. There's not a ton of evidence. It's it's kind of like we're projecting that with Pickens and Deontay Johnson and otherwise that there's the potential to be more explosive, but we still really have not seen Kenny pick. We've seen indications, but we haven't seen that, that they are going to be the, the 81 chargers or anything like that, that they're, that they're capable West, of uh, with no, West Chandler replacing John Jefferson, boy, a high end, a high end swap. Oh, for all the time. Karate kid. Mm-hmm. 89. Daniel I mean, as I've said before, how is it possible that this kid <laughs> who's a Jets Uh-oh. fan, you know, Daniel son moves across the country from Jersey with his mom. He's a big, he's talk, talk, oh, he misses New York so bad. Oh, he loves it so much. He's out there, but he has a raggedy old West Chandler Jersey. Meantime, the, the Chargers live in San Diego. They don't live in LA. How did this Encino kid have the foresight to get this old West Chandler? Where did it even come What's from? Goodwill? He went to, he has no money. His wife is, his mom doesn't have any money. So he went to Goodwill, right? They're good. Okay. But I mean, like it's the problem is for him. He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't know how to make any friends, but you think that that would curry favor with the locals or would it? It's like, Hey gang, look, I'm into the chargers. And then all the locals would be like, you jerk. We're Rams. This is a Rams town. And then they beat him even harder. Cause he brought the chargers Jersey into the mix. Right. Yeah. I don't know, but listen, this is what I want to know before we before we wrap it up here. Oh, there's you. I love it. Um, I think philosophically, I go. I've gone back and forth on this over the last three years. That you are fooling yourself if you think that in an AFC with these with these superhero QBs, it's like let's just play keep away from them. Let's just reduce. Let's keep it. Let's reduce the number of of possessions they have by one or two over 60 minutes that is going to ultimately be a losing proposition you might keep the thing a little bit tighter but you're not going to beat Mahomes if your goal is 17 13 every time out there at some point you're going to have to you know you're going to have to get into the high 20s mid 30s to to win January playoff games it's it's the 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 canard the the living in the past of like that you're just going to completely Jacksonville Jaguar the the thing by the way they didn't get to the Super Bowl the year that they almost uh won using that method you can only hide your QB for so long um i think that they have to have their cake and eat it too, to answer your question. Right. I mean, they have to be able in stretches of games, they need to be able to like, boy, Oh boy. They two touchdowns real quick that quarter. Like they have to have that level of explosiveness to get, they're not cheap touchdowns, but fast touchdowns. They need to have the ability every time. It cannot be a, uh, a Shakespearean, you know, five act play to, to score a touchdown. Like they, they've got to be able to strike fast to to keep up with the Joneses, right? But but they are wired to if they can get that lead to impose themselves physically in a in a classic old Pittsburgh Steelers just to play defense and run the ball like they have the ability to do both things, cower style, which is get get the jump on a team, get the lead, and then just grind it out the rest of the way. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you th- th- saying the Steelers should strike first, strike fast, no mercy, right? <laughs> I know it's dumb, but I think, but I, 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 I get it that Pickett. Also, the the other thing is you have eyes on Pickett. I get the optimistic lean with him is oh he's like Joe Burrow because he doesn't have he, that he he and Brady and Breeze and those guys. 
I know I'm comparing him to Brady and Breeze and Burrow, but I'm but but the traits are harder to put your finger on. It's not a you know throw the ball 90 yards from his knees kind of kind of premise here with those guys, right? It's the subtle stuff. It's sliding in the pocket, changing launch angles for would-be sackers. Um, and at the line of scrimmage, knowing where you're likely going with the ball before the ball snapped and reading things, those things are harder to our naked eye to pick up. We love watching Lamar Jackson's wheels and we love watching Josh Allen's hose, but the guys that win, um, it's not a coincidence that it keeps being Burrow winning games. And I think that there's a chance that that could be Kenny Pickett, even though we don't swoon over those traits. How say you? You look at you just look at last year when they were coming out in the draft. We were at the combine. What did we hear about how Malik Willis would scramble and throw the ball 85 yards down the field? And Rich Eisen and those guys would go crazy. Unbelievable. What a throw. And I was always saying, how many times would that play ever arise in the NFL game? That's Probably exactly never. my favorite question. That's right. Never. So what I'm saying is, is Kenny Pickett is the guy that does the fundamentals to perfection. And that's what I've noticed from, from day one to now. I mean, especially this off season and you, you, you said it a little bit right there. The, the anticipating the throws. I mean, be able to come from where he was last year to where he is this year is just unbelievable. It's just night and day. The anticipating the throws, throwing the guys open, making the right decisions. Not only that is he has the intangibles of being a extremely well-liked guy in that locker room. It's unbelievable. It does seem that way. I don't know how much that matters, but it really does come through that, boy, they like us. him. They're going to love this. He blew off a media session on Tuesday, made his way till the end of practice. I'm like, where's Kenny at? And I walked past the lunchroom. He's just in there eating lunch with all the offensive line and linemen yapping away for like an hour and a half. I'm like, well, it sucks for me, but, you know, he's out there hanging out with those guys. Everybody loves him. He does everything correct. He says everything perfect. He's like the guy you want to bring your, you know, bring home to your daughter. So not only that, he's a pretty good football player. He's made a huge jump from March until now. And you would imagine that trajectory keep getting better. So like you said, he's to your, to your eye. How important is that? Because we do hear those stories and it's like, that's cool. And on a human level, yeah, you would like to get along with your coworkers and everything else. It, have you seen like everybody dislikes this guy, but boy, he's so good. It doesn't make a difference kind of vibe in locker rooms. Um, I mean, how far can, how far can, how far does it make a difference that boy, he, boy, he's a fun guy. Everybody likes hanging out with Kenny Pickett. At least how, how relevant is that come Sundays to count? Uh, who was the quarterback for the Steelers before? I don't know how well liked he was. I'm, I'm Bobby sure. <laughs> Mark Bobby. Malone, uh, Cliff Scott, Scott Campbell, David Woodley, I'm a Zach. As Bill Coward say, right? So I, I think it does matter into the Kim way Miller that they. <laughs> I was going to say a name that's probably not permissible on air, but um, I think it does have something to do with it. I mean, these guys want to go out. First of all, they trust him. I'm not saying about any other previous quarterback. This is a guy that's played 12 games, and there is unbelievable trust in him. You heard somebody like Alan Robinson, which you should know from down the street from last year. He comes I've heard in. of him. Yes, I have heard. Not that Alan yeah. Robinson. The other one. Oh, <laughs> I'm thinking the AP guy. But, um, yeah, they right away he's like, man, this guy has something, you know. Then you hear the defensive guys saying it. And I think those guys want to go out and play for him because they trust him. They know that if they do their job, he will make them better. So, yes, I think there's a lot to that, the trust and the likability factor. I think it goes a long way with a young quarterback, maybe not a guy that's been there, done that for 15 years, just, you know, lead, lead us to a win then. This guy has to earn trust with a lot of these guys, and I think he's gone about it flawlessly again. I, I mean, like I said, with the old opening of the door, I mean, Sidney Crosby considered the nicest human on the planet. If he's number one, then Kenny Pickett seems like he's a 1B, man, because I've never heard anybody say a bad word about him. And 
you know how like people like to gossip there, Shaq, about I've heard people. he has small hands and I think he needs to cut his hair. He grew him though. He, he grew him though. I mean that's true. He did stretch them. Yeah, he did try to stretch them. He got the he got the backward hat on. And the crazy thing is, is when I was growing up, you know, in my teens and twenties, I always wore the backup hat. Mm-hmm. Back backwards cap. I'm not surprised like, to hear back. that. That makes sense. But I didn't have the flow. I didn't have the flow. All quarterbacks have to have the flow now. If I had the flow, it turned into a. Big but it's too much. It's a distraction because every time on the sidelines, every shot is like him trying to look at the iPad and talk to the coaches. But then he also has to work in multiple hair flips and pushing it back and the hat back on. It's a distraction. We don't have time for that. These moments are critical on Sundays. Um, do you think that, do you think Ken Pickett, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, who made the decision on the 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 guy in everybody cross everybody's crosshairs? And I think deservedly so a little bit, Matt Canada last year. He wasn't to the naked eye. He just wasn't scheming receivers open as much as you see in other NFL offenses. I think if you contextualize that, you can sort of explain it away, but I do think that um, what he wanted to do, he didn't necessarily have the pieces to do over the last couple of years. But was that Tomlin's call, Pickett's call? Who decided, yeah, let's roll with Matt Canada in 2023? Ultimately, it's always, well, ultimately, it's always Art Rooney's ultimate decision. You think, so you think Art too and Mike Tomlin are having a conversation about that and saying like, he's like, hey, uh, Hey, uh, Mr. Rooney, I I, I want to keep Matt Canada, and you think R two would say to him like, "Well, no, I I don't like yes, this offense." Yes, yes, I think that's happened in the past with other guys. So I think okay, Art could come to him and say, "No, we want to move on." There's, I, I don't think it would be the other way around where Mike would say, "I want to get rid of him." Art said, "No, you're keeping him." I don't think that would work that way. So I think Mike obviously. Th- think he did him not did him wrong but didn't put him in a good position last year to succeed you know Tony had to dumb down the offense and the year prior when he had to deal with Roethlisberger so he saw something and I'm sure Kenny had good things to say about him as well but the ultimate bottom line is if Art Rooney didn't want him there he wasn't going to be there I I guess what I'm going for is one, as I said all through last season to everybody, was like, dude, they got fired, uh, Matt Canada. I kept saying, like, do you think Matt Canada is doing stuff that Mike Tomlin doesn't like? I mean, I assume Mike Tomlin has largely given this his stamp of approval, and I've confirmed that with a few guys. One, but I also assume that they went to Kenny Pickett at the end of his rookie season and said, like, now's the time, man, because now we're losing two years with you if we stick with this guy and you don't like him. It going into your sophomore year, we don't want to be doing a new offense going into year three. To your point, oh, that where we started, that you think this team is maybe a year away from true contender status. I have to assume that that, that was a critical decision. Like we're sticking with Canada here. Um, I mean, I right is that the yeah, I have, just, I have that right. I don't think if Kenny would have came out and said, No, I want to get rid of him, they would have got rid of him. I don't think they would put that much. I don't think Kenny was in the position after playing 12 games and throwing seven touchdowns to have that kind of weight put on him, even if he was the 20th overall pick. And I understand with you. I mean, it was a big decision knowing that just what you said, you lose uh, if you bring Canada back and he struggles this year, you lose this year, then you lose next year trying to get acclimated. And all of a sudden you're going to pay the quarterback or not, you know, you're in that position right there right now. Is he good or not? So uh, I think that has something to do with it, but I think Tomlin believes in him. I mean, don't believe anything you hear about, Oh, Mike Tomlin, uh, Matt Canada recruited Mike Tomlin's kid. So he owes. I don't, but no, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think, I think, Canada is doing what Mike Tomlin, the football brain, wants to do, which is trying to grind it out a little bit. I don't think um, he goes into that. I don't think he goes into the offensive game plan room and say, now, San Francisco, we want to do this, this, and this. There's no way Mike Tomlin says, uh, radios up to Canada and say, hey, on this series, we want you to run this play, this play, or this play. Now, there might be a time. Oh, I don't think that. I don't think he's, I don't think he's micromanaging yeah. the play calling. There will be times that he will, though, if it's fourth and two or whatever it is. Normally they throw the ball on fourth and two. So, no, we're running the ball. Run the ball, Matt. I can see him doing that. 
I yes, yes. Obviously, it's Tomlin at midfield against the Browns when the Steelers are making their push in that playoff game against Baker Mayfield. Tomlin's the one who's like punt it away. My, Matt Canada probably is saying we have a play that we think we can make uh, one yard there, Coach. But Tomlin obviously is the one making that call. Okay, last things because we uh, we I, we've held you up way too long here. So lightning round here. Was it? Am I right that Art Two is the one who said? we must take a running back and I want Najee Harris that to to your point that you just made a minute or two ago. Do you think that was a Tomlin thing or was that, I think art was like, we got, all right, let's fix this already. Let's get a stud in the backfield. I don't care what the, what the tides of pro football tell us we have to do. I say the Pittsburgh Steelers need to have a, uh, a dynamite feature back. Go get that Najee kid. But I, I never heard that. I've never heard any, whispers of that was a more than a Colbert slash Tomlin pick hmm. to fall in that spot of what 24 where they needed a running back and they they were, they were rebuilding at the time right that entire offensive line switched over within a year and a half that they thought Naj would be the guy that would be able to lead them what they want to do so with the whole draft I don't think Art is an iron fist type of guy would want this guy I think maybe there's questions with his past or his background. Then Art said, no, he's off the board. But I don't think he's going to tell Tomlin or the GM that who to or not pick. So unless you've heard something different, I haven't. No, I just what I'm gleaning from the from the the commentary around all that, I kind of feel like that there that it was imposed on them. Like, listen, let's get back to uh, you know, that. Art two kind of is the personification oh, yeah. of the Steelers guy. Him. Who's right? Exactly. The last eight years, he goes in his post uh, season press conference with about ten of us and says, "We need to run the ball better. We need to run. every single year. We're already writing it down. Have that story written. Go back to last year's story and copy and paste some stuff. So he he wants to run the ball. Yes. And to your point about uh, when does that ever happen in a game? People become obsessed by the idea of like a home run hitter at running back. And I, I, I get it, but the Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris thing, this, this fake controversy that has been ginned up in every corner of Pittsburgh about this, like, Hey, I don't know if you guys know, but it's good to have two good running backs. This is not an issue for us. And the mm-hmm. idea that like Jalen Warren is more of a home run hitter. Like how often do you see when they're like that running back runs a four, two, how often do you see an NFL running back running away from defenses once a season, twice a season? That is not a, a reason that you would put one running back in over another one. When Najee Harris pro- provide both guys provide what Tomlin wants to do. I think we agree on, which is not just, take care of the ball. And that's the number one thing. Najee Harris is not a fumbler, generally speaking. And that's the biggest thing, but they both beat the hell out of the competition. And the thing about like Jalen Warren can house the ball is like, that is not a reason that you would put him in over Najee Harris. I'll say a lot of the hate with Najee is he was a polarizing pick. Half the people in this town said they should not be picking a running back in the first round. So any sense of um, not living up to that, they're going to jump on it. So that's why you see half the people saying Jalen Warren's better and half the, they want to prove themselves right. The only thing I do somewhat maybe disagree with a little bit is Najee's never going to be the 4.2 yards per carry back. Never going to be it because he doesn't turn that four times a year, 15 yard gain into a 60. And that's the one that's what limits him the most right now. If he can change those fifteens into thirties, I'll take that. That's fine. That's right. You see him take thirty into sixties like Jalen Warren, and Jalen Warren is bigger. He's stouter. He's wider. He's thicker. But somehow he's faster. But uh, I'm, I'm. You I'm, know what I'm, I like? I like both. I like right to now. have both guys. Is the answer? How about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a team twenty-two. I think he gives them the best chance to win. Najee Harris, but uh, you know how it is. Back up. And- Backup running back, backup quarterback, and offensive coordinator. Everybody knows better. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly right. I remember a, a day. I'm older than you. I remember when people were like, dude, Cliff Stott's going to work out just fine. <laughs> Brad's going to come and go, but he's going to move on. But Cliff Stott's got us in good shape here. Um, the here's here's my olive branch to you and to Tim Benz in Pittsburgh, and to I'm trying to think of the other. Chris Chris Carter is a little more optimistic. He and I oh. park our cars in the same garage. But you guys are, here's what I'll say. If you're right, 
and this team goes eight and nine, you will hear some real acid coming out of Damashek's mouth. Because I, but I'm going to say for the here and now, that's not going to happen. Forget acid coming out. Last thing, because you tweeted out pizza the other day. Oh, here's the Najee Harris, Jalen Warren equation for you. Najee or Jalen Warren? No, both. Same thing. Minios and Ironborn. Not either or both. I, mean, I don't think I've had either one of those. You haven't had Ironborn? Get over there, boy. You're gonna love I don't it. know where it's at. Where is it? Where is it? I well, it's on it. the strip. They have another one. Oh, you're gonna go wild. You're gonna I, go I was wild. more, I'm more of a old school Vincent's. Back Vincent's the, is great. I grew up, I grew up, it was down the hill for me on Ardmore. A little I, different I, now with the old man dying. Yeah. You know, the, the ashes not in the pizza from a covered, it, covered in Covered in flour. And <laughs> sure. sometimes he'd get a finger in that nose and they'd get right back to making your pie for you. The and hair, you couldn't have been happier. Hair, the chest hair flowing. Oh, oh I, after, after my Little League games, that was a standard visit for us. But listen, do yourself a favor. Hear me now. Believe me later. I want you to go over to Ironborn. Don't tell them Damashek sent you because that can only hurt the cause. It's right next to Promanthes on the strip. You're going to go wild. It's square pizza. It's a square. It. It's like that burnt edge, you know, that that uh, the cheese nice and bright. All right, listen. Kaboli, now I'm hungry, and now I'm ready even more than I was when we started this conversation chicken for sale? the real thing to kick off. No chicken sandwich. We're not doing oh, chicken man, sandwich. I got some chicken delivered last year. Next time you – oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, hey, our boy, no. giving the fly. Shout out to our boy, oh, Troy Beck, oh, oh, and shout oh, out to our guy, uh, Mark. He, he's almost as big of a curmudgeon as me about the Pirates, so. I, I, I've i had it with all of you. You, you. you need a little sunshine in your life. Go out and touch grass. All right, listen. Pittsburgh, there is no sunshine. Yeah, at least you ain't dealing oh. with uh, hurricanes like we are out here. All right, listen, Kaboli, go read his work, The Athletic. It is always worth your time. It's dynamite stuff. We appreciate you big time making that, making uh, carving out a little time for Churchill. I know you're running with plum fancy pants now, but nice that you can still return home to to uh, Wilkinsburg, Turtle Creek area once, a, once in a blue moon. We appreciate the time, pal. All right. And now a quick break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. Mark Cabali, what do you think? You know, I think he, while he's slightly critical, I guess critical of the team, um, you know, him saying eight and nine, and they're maybe a year away from being serious contenders. I, I do think for your Steelers uh, and everyone, you know, who's a fan of the team, it's just one of those things where I think the team is good, um, but you guys are playing in a division that is very good as well. Whereas if you were in the AFC South, the NFC South, I think, you know, even the NFC West of sorts, there's some divisions where I think, the Steelers would have a legitimate shot of winning a division and really competing. But when you have, you know, all those in division games being really tough battles, depending on your, your view of the Ravens or not, I know you're down on them. Uh, I think that's where it comes to play. So um, I, I do think it'll be, that, that's a team that's by far one of the most interesting to watch because if, if Pickett does take off, uh, they, I mean, then, then I think Cavalli's spot on that, you know, for the years coming, you guys will be contenders. But you get my point, though, about Pickett. He's not going to um, like it's a funny it's a funny thing that it both damns the guy and over celebrates the guy. Any human being you talk to uh, by comparing him to Tom Brady, because Tom Brady is like 
Are you only think he's that? Like, because Tom Brady had no specific physical trait that you would say that's exactly what I want outside of height. Um, pretty much uh, uh, in a quarterback, but he's the best to ever do it. Um, but I'm obviously not saying Kenny Pickett is going to wind up having the career of Tom Brady or even Drew Brees, but it's more elusive to pin down what you like about him. He doesn't feel like I, he doesn't feel like he's capable of no matter what the circumstance is. Of, but then again, Tom Brady had arguably one or two of the greatest individual seasons in terms of raw numbers. I don't see Kenny Pickett being a guy who, you know, 48 touchdown passes and, you know, uh, 4,900 yards. I don't see that in the cards for him, but that doesn't mean that the Steelers can't be the most successful team in the conference. I just it's a think, weird math to work out. Yeah. I just think as long as Pickett has a season where you wrap up the season, you go, okay, well, we don't have to worry about the quarterback position. I think that's really all you could ask for him. I mean, you, you want to see obviously Najee get back to what he was, um, you know, increase that yards per carry. I think you want to see a, a good rapport with Pickens and Pickett. And if that stuff happens, and obviously you're going to trust the defense because the defense is loaded with talent. Uh, I, I think it's smooth sound. So I, I just, it's just one of those unfortunate things, like I said, where you have to play the Browns twice a year, the Ravens twice a year, the Bengals twice a year and a loaded AFC. And I think that's really the ultimate challenge uh, they have to overcome. Yeah. It's funny. The sec is sort of, I, I guess I'm, overstating the AFC North uh, in terms of high-end teams, but there is that feeling that we talk about all the time. Sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. In the early 90s, the two best teams were the Cowboys and Niners, and they had to go through each other to try to get to the Super Bowl. It didn't diminish either team. They were still the second best team, even though they didn't get to the Super Bowl. I guess you may not even get to the playoffs and still have a good year in the AFC North. Um witness the fact that I think the Ravens are probably going to be the last place team. And I got them at like eight and nine. Um, all right. But that's a, yeah, it's an interesting point you make there. Great stuff is always from our guy Kabali. We'll check in with him as the season unfolds there on all things, AFC North. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you subscribing and spreading the good word about the show. Please continue to do so and make sure you drop us a line. Minus three pod is how you do that on social media. We love the interactions. Let us know what you want to hear out of the show going forward. We'll be back on the other side of the sports weekend for you. Um, so until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Mark Cabali and Hench and Minus Three, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>